My name is Oren Kessler. I'm Wikistrat CEO, and this is Wikistrat Podcast. Today, I'm very honored to invite to our podcast an expert on Brazil politics and society, Dr. Fernando Brancoli. Fernando is a professor in the Federal University of Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Is an expert not only on Brazil's politics, but also on its social affairs. And we are today going to discuss uh, the situation in Brazil in the light, or I would say in the shadow, of the COVID-19 situation. So, Fernando, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you on board this podcast. Oh, thank you, Oren. The pleasure is mine. Um, Fernando, I would like to start with a very kind of general question, and that is, how would you describe the current situation in Brazil, and what do you think are the main roots of this situation that's currently going on in Brazil in terms of the COVID-19 situation? Well, the Doctors Without Border, the humanitarian group, just described the situation here in Brazil the last week as a humanitarian crisis. And well, I would say that I agree with this description and will also say that we have a combination of crises in the end of the day. I mean, this is not only a humanitarian and a sanitary crisis related to the virus, but also economic crisis and combined to that political crisis. So the situation is really, really bad right now. The scale of deaths is massive. Our health system is beginning to collapse. And if you look to the numbers related to the economy side, it's getting also quite bad. And all the provisions for the future are also really, really complicated. And political-wise, the, the country is being led by Bolsonaro, which I think our listeners probably heard about, and he's not helping at all. He's basically trying to survive right now. So the situation is uh, really bad. So in this sense, we have no central coordination for those three crises, for the health economic and political crisis. The president is fighting with the governors, with the state governors and that are fighting with the mayors. We don't have coordination also regarding economic, the economic side, in the sense that there is a huge discussion since the beginning of the pandemic that the government should be providing some sort of national amount of money for people to stay at home, to keep the quarantine, so they don't have to go to the streets, especially the poor people, to work. And on the political side, and well, this is also combined, of course, to the political side in the sense that a lot of the position right now is trying to basically enjoy or use this moment to get Bolsonaro out of power. So it's a mess. It's a gigantic crisis. I would say it's like the biggest crisis in a hundred years, probably in Brazil. And most of my colleagues who are analyzing the country right now, I say, would agree with this. So. Well, things are dire. Would you say this is, I mean, you mentioned this is the, the worst crisis Brazil has been going through in the last 100 years. Would you say this is an open or an opening to a potential military intervention in Brazil, meaning going back to the days where the military was in charge of Brazilian politics? Well, this is a question I've been trying to answer for the last months in the sense that we do have right now a sort of mixed military government part of the sort of democratic system is still being maintained we have right now more than 6000 militaries in different government positions from really low level positions in different ministries such as economy foreign affairs and well even health but we also have military 
former military and even active military personnel has ministries. For example, just about last month, we changed our health ministry, but it was an active general has a health that has the health ministry. So we already have, in a sort of sense, a mixed military government. I've been teaching to the military in the last years. We, we had this sort of proximity between the academia and the military. They're trying to sound more professional. So they were having courses with us at the university from public management to human rights respect and stuff like this. And well, for us, it was a bit of a surprise that all these professionalizations were now being used to basically support Bolsonaro. I don't think we will have right now the situation to have a military coup, at least not in the same model that we had in the 60s, for example, or what we would traditionally describe as a military coup. But what we could have is this sort of dire and extreme situation that basically what the military would say is that they will have to control parts of the uh, government and stuff like this. They will say that it's not a coup, but in the end of the day, this could be described as a lack of democratic change and stuff like this. So I don't know if I'm being clear, but I would not say we'll have a traditional coup in the sense of tanks on the street, the president being jailed and stuff like this. But since the military are already on the government, what we could have is basically the spreading their control of the government in such a high level that in the end of the day, you will basically wake up one day and they are more in charge than ever. So in the end of the day, also what I would like to emphasize is that what we describe as Brazilian institutions, like the public officer and the judges and stuff like this, they are already reluctant to deal with Bolsonaro in the sense that he has such or his were able to gather such massive support from the military. So again, I'm more scared of this dubious or ethereal military support than soldiers on the street, tanks and stuff like this. So maybe one day I will be talking to you again in a couple of months and say, well, we are already living in a dictatorship, but we didn't have the sort of spectacular or traditional military coup. I don't know if I answered you, but that's how I feel this, this moment right now. And, and do you think that when we look at Brazilian politics and the political situation right now, Bolsonaro has any potential rivalries and potential opposition that is effective and, and can show a competition to him and take over? Or do you think that we're likely to see a continuation of Bolsonaro's governance after the Brazil 2022 elections as well, considering the current situation and, and the failure of the government to deal with it? Well, Oren, if you had asked me uh, the same question about three months ago, I would say no. Bolsonaro has been uh, on the government without any sort of uh, opposition. The center-left, who was trying to create any sort of control about his work, was not doing a really good job. But three months ago, the Supreme Court decided that Lula, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, the former president, is now able again to run uh, for president in 2022. And this has been a long discussion, a legal discussion, because Lula was put into jail a couple of years ago related to corruption charges. And he was um, more than a year in jail. And basically what the Supreme Court decided right now is that the whole operation that put Lula into jail, Operation Car Wash, probably our listeners heard about this, is a gigantic operation related to corruption, put a lot of 
politicians into jail. The Supreme Court decided that the car wash operation, specifically for Lula, it was not legal. So Lula is now free again to run for presidency. And right now there is a huge chance that he will probably get elected in a year. Lula will get elected. All the polls, I know it's still a bit far, we have a year to the polls, but every single numbers that we get, we have right now, it's going to, well, put Lula in the front row. We say that he's going to win Bolsonaro, no matter the case. Lula is already sort of running around the country, gathering governors, getting people that is not that happy to Bolsonaro. And probably our listeners and you, or in, uh, you remember that when Lula was in power, was basically uh, a sort of uh, really good moment for Brazil. I mean, you can remember the cover of The Economist, the magazine with cr the statue of Christ, the Redeemer in Rio de Janeiro, going up to the skies like a rocket. Correct. It was Brazil. Yeah, well, Lula was quite a fortunate also to have a huge boom on the value of commodities during his presidency. So Brazil do have a lot of money and was trying to position himself as a sort of leadership in the global south uh, with the BRICS, also in Latin America. So inside Brazil, we were getting richer. Brazil basically eradicate hunger. A lot of poverty was also being reduced. We can also discuss in another moment all the complications regarding Lula government, regarding corruption and stuff like this. But there is a huge perception in larger part of the population that this was the last time that Brazil was functioning, that Brazil was quite well. So all this memory is now coming back. Lula explained this game again, saying, you remember when I was present, how things were and how everything is happening right now. For example, he got vaccinated on live television. Bolsonaro has been fighting vaccines for quite some time. So just after Lula got vaccinated on live TV, Bolsonaro changed his behavior related to the pandemic quite well. He sacked his health ministry, the general I was speaking about, Pazuelo. He put a civil now on charge, a doctor, and he said that he's going to buy a lot of the vaccines, that he's basically going to behave like, I don't know, a normal president. So for me, it has been quite interesting to talk to congressmen the last weeks to even governors uh, from Rio de Janeiro and the mayor, basically to understand how they perceive the situation and everybody's saying that things are changing. And if the numbers they got, they are maintaining the last months, I mean, all the polls saying that Lula is probably going to win, you will see he's getting motion. He will probably get a lot of support from other political uh, leaderships. And well, Bolsonaro maybe will lose in, in a year. I mean, everything is quite open, but now for the very first time, we have this opportunity. So things are going to change quite fast. And I would say to people who are trying to understand Brazil right now, one of the key points is how Lula's candidacy to the president will behave, how, he'll, how much support he will get from other politicals and also how the uh, economic leaderships, how the great industrials and people with money in the end of the day, who they will support, because they are also getting quite mad with Bolsonaro, the huge organizations related to industry and to commerce and stuff like this in Brazil has been doing some public statements against Bolsonaro, say that the way he basically didn't organize in the end of the day, the pandemic created a lot of trouble to Brazil. So maybe if they start to make statements also supporting Lula, we'll have a big shift regarding this. And well, just to keep 
talking and maybe have another question. We just had in Brazil public investigation opened by the congressmen, by senators, to try to investigate how Bolsonaro dealt with the pandemic. This is happening right now. This is just being opened. And we call this CPI in Portuguese. It's a basic a commission, a Congress a commission opened by congressmen trying to investigate the pandemic or how the government behave related to the pandemic. And this is usually the congressmen, they have a lot of power in those sort of committee. They can, for example, summon the president to uh, inquiry. They can summon ministries. They can ask for bank statements. They can open public records or telephone records, for example. So things are going to change really, really fast in the next weeks, I would say. And I mean, from Bolsonaro getting out of power to Bolsonaro strengthening his power, everything is possible right now. But what we do know is that this sort of morosity, this uh, opposition without any sort of real power against Bolsonaro, that's what we perceive it in the last months. This is completely changed right now and things will be really, really different in the next months. Fascinating to see how someone like Bolsonaro has, I mean, objectively, I think it would be fair to say that he hasn't succeeded in dealing with the pandemic without even going saying that he failed with dealing with the pandemic. Still have a large basis of support and a very strong basis of support. Can you give us some analysis as who supports him and, and what, he, what are those pillars of support that basically keeps him in power and, and keeps him so popular uh, among the Brazilian public? Well, we have this complicated discussion regarding support because, for example, the last president, just before Bolsonaro, Michel Temer, he ended his government with 7% of support. Only 7% of Brazilians say that they support the government. And he was still in power. So because he still got a lot of support from uh, the economic elite and from congressmen. In the end of the day, if you get the right support, you could still be in power. But related to Bolsonaro, he, right now all the numbers are saying that he's being, he still maintains support around 20 to 25 percent of the population. And it's a combination of religious people, especially evangelicals. Uh, we have part of the elite, the economic elite in Brazil, they still support him. And in the end of the day, he's also been quite supportive by the congressmen, especially the lower chamber, the Câmara dos Deputados in Brazil, basically because he opened his government, creating this sort of political bribe to the congressmen. I mean, every single position right now in ministries in the executive or even the ministry itself are being chosen by those congressmen, by people that are being indicated by those congressmen. So. The government right now is being run also by them. We call them Centrão, which is the congressmen who are more interested in basically political indications in the executive than anything else. So right now he's still got a, some large support, I would say, especially if you think about how Brazil is dealing with the pandemic. We are now the center of the pandemic. We have the largest numbers in the world. Our economic is being scrambled. The Brazil currency has lost a lot of its power. I think it's the weakest currency in the world if you compare since the beginning of the pandemic. So he still maintains quite some power, I mean, 20%. And there is no sign that he will get out of power through popular commotion. 
especially because, well, since we are in the middle of the pandemic, we don't have right now people on the streets protesting. We don't have a lot of commotion on the street. Well, in the end of the day, his strategy regarding the pandemic, although it was destructive, it was, I would say, some people are describing as a crime, as a genocide, it does maintain, does work out. I mean, we have this incredible bad numbers regarding the sanitary crisis, but he's still support, he's still being supported by a fifth of the population, so, and by congressmen. So although he's now heading, he's having some trouble, in the end of the day, I would say it did maintain, did pay out. Does maintain, it means that basically that God will provide. And I think in the context of the pandemics, it's more about getting a kind of a herd immunity in a way, you know, without yeah. actively taking measures such as, such as quarantine and social distancing and, and enforcing, enforcing other active measures that were taken by others in order to prevent the spread of the disease. And, and that was basically the, the strategy that the government in Brazil was, has chosen to, to take, which is a strategy of, I would say, lack of any action to counter the pandemic in order not to also have any economic restrictions and movement, access and movement restrictions in a way. Uh, would that be correct? Yes, completely correct. And since the very beginning, Bolsonaro has been quite vocal, saying that this was just a normal flu, that nobody should be in panic. And then after the number of deaths started to grow, he said that he had this sort of magical drug to deal with the pandemic, uh, chloroquine. It was the very same drug that Trump was offering to the US, but then he gave up. But we maintaining this. He even asked the army to start to produce this drug, chloroquine, uh, hydroxychloroquine, although there is no scientific support regarding this. And he was basically crowding with people all the time, not using masks. But I would say what in the end of the day was really catastrophic for Brazil, that different from other places, even here in Latin America, there was really little support for people to stay at home. So we have this saying, right now in brazil that people had to choose between bread or the virus where poor people basically had to decide if they they stay at home like the doctors were saying on tv to avoid large crowds to avoid the spread of the virus or if they should go home to get something to eat i mean we are the number of poor people in brazil has been rising really really fast so since the federal government which had the power to create a sort of financial help to help people. It was really slow regarding the, those issues. People were back in the street saying, well, I cannot stay at home. I have to do something. I have to work or do something to get a job or to eat. And at the very same time, even economic elite who owns large stores and stuff like this say, well, yeah, people should be in the street. We have herd immunity. We have all this discussion that this is a really, I mean, it's not a, such a big deal. It's just like a flu. But the president say that since he was an athlete, even if he got the virus, he would not feel about this. So there's a lot of people saying, well, this is not a big deal. And then in the end of the day, you also had all these conspiracy theories when the numbers start to grow. That's well, the virus was a sort of Chinese conspiracy the vaccines they were inoculating other virus in people and i know this can sound a bit crazy to our listeners but in brazil those conspiracy theories they were sort of strong people were using them or uh, spreading them through whatsapp 
So for example, I live in a sort of residential area here in Rio de Janeiro. People that lives around me are basically also university professors, doctors, lawyers. So people who went to universities and a lot of my neighbors, they do believe on this kind of things that using masks is a communist plot or that the vaccines, they possess a ship that the Chinese will try to track you down. And those had a lot of power to keep people on the street. And in the end of the day, Brazil never maintained any sort of social distance, if you look to the numbers. And well, this, you can imagine being supported by the president every single day on TV saying, go out, go to work. This is a normal flu. The vaccine doesn't work. We are not buying the vaccine. Or even if you get the virus, you can use this miraculous drug, chloroquine. Uh, well, that's it. We didn't have any empty street in Brazil like you saw in other places, like a complete lockdown. And uh, the numbers just keep rising. And the problem right now is that Brazil is also creating variations of the virus. You probably heard about this, or and I think probably our listeners also heard about this, that the type of COVID we have in Brazil now is way more powerful than the very first type. So the vaccines are not that working that well anymore. And the numbers are the numbers are also rising. So well, it's it is quite catastrophic. It's a mix of conspiracy theory and economic decisions and the sort of extreme right president that in the end of the day decided that just lo a lockdown would be really a political terrible idea. It was just better to keep people walking around. What do you think Brazil and the Brazilian government should do in order to navigate themselves out of this crisis? To position yourself in a, in a course of action, which is actually one in which the situation will improve over time in contrast to the situation currently? Well, Oren, besides the, I think, traditional measures that everybody else in the world has been doing, like a lockdown, buying up vaccines and stuff like this, one point I would like to emphasize to our listeners, uh, which is something I've been involved in the last weeks, and this is quite new in Brazil, and I think it's going to also change the way the country behaves internationally, is that for the very first time, state governors are bypassing the executive government and try to deal directly with international actors, with other governments, with other uh, institutions like the UN, and even other companies. So for the very first time, the Brazilian Ministry of Foreign Affairs, we call it Itamarachi, which was this all-powerful entity for foreign affairs in Brazil, for basically the entire Brazilian history. If you want to deal with Brazil internationally, if you are an international actor, if you are a company, if you are an international institution, you will dealt with Itamarachi. We will dealt with the Minister of Foreign Affairs. But since Bolsonaro has been so non-propositive regarding the virus and the pandemic, what we do have, what we are witnessing in the last year is state governors like Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro, and the Northeast. They are for the very first time contacting directly other places or the countries to deal with the pandemic. So I think this is going to change a lot of the political landscape in Brazil regarding how we do foreign affairs. And I think this could be quite interesting for our listeners in the sense that, for example, the uh, states of the Northeast of Brazil, basically they create a collective and they are negotiating directly with China. So Bolsonaro has been quite critic regarding China, saying that they are communists, that they want to buy Brazil and all this kind of nonsense. And at the very same time, those 
Northeast governors, they basically create the uh, Northeast group, you would say. They are dealing with the China trying to buy vaccines, but also trying to buy respirators for people in Brazil and those hospitals, drugs regarding lung drugs and stuff like this. And for example, the Chinese ambassador in Brazil has been quite vocal saying, yes, we do have a great connection with those governors. We want to help and stuff like this. At the very same time, Sao Paulo, the richest state in Brazil, also create this sort of open line with China. And for example, the vaccine we are using in Brazil right now, CoronaVac, which is a Chinese vaccine, it was created through this sort of parallel channel between state governors and China. And right now in Rio de Janeiro, this, the state where, from where I'm speaking, they are also dealing with Russia right now regarding to buy vaccines and stuff like this. This can sound maybe to some of our listeners, maybe in the US, quite natural. I mean, since the state governors in the US, for example, they do have a lot of power. But I must emphasize, this is brand new in Brazil politics. We didn't have this in our history. And this is changing really, really fast. Also in other topics, for example, we will have discussions regarding environment in the next weeks in Brazil. And for the very first time, the governors from uh, the Amazon states where, well, basically the Amazon rainforests are right now, for example, for Amazonia, they're saying, well, UN, United States, Europe, you don't have to deal with Bolsonaro. Deal directly with me. We can have a, a formal, direct conversation. And again, this is brand new. All the theoretical tools we use in Brazil to understand foreign policy, uh, they didn't include those new actors. So I would say for people trying to understand what's happening in Brazil right now, or people maybe trying to, I don't know, make money with Brazil or try to invest in Brazil, uh, a really interesting point will be how to deal with those local actors, mayors and state governors, and try in the end of the day to bypass the president. And this is happening. Uh, Germany is doing this right now. Some companies are doing this right, right now. The UN is doing this right now. So maybe we'll talk again or in a couple of years or months and I would say, well, right now we have two diplomacies in Brazil, a sort of executive diplomacy through the traditional channels, the Minister of Foreign Affairs. But at the same time, we have small diplomats or a sort of small ministries dealing directly with other countries and stuff like this. So just to maybe, I made this gigantic regression just to say that right now, uh, a lot of my hopes are regarding the state governors and mayors who are basically bypassing Bolsonaro and try to gather international support to fight the coronavirus. Because in the end of the day, Bolsonaro, he already put all his coins and all his arguments in how to deal with this. No lockdown, no vaccine. So it would be quite strange for him to make a completely turn regarding this. So, well, all my hopes are with the mayors and the state governors right now, I would say. So this is a very interesting point because this regards to the potential implications of this crisis and the future of the Brazilian political system moving from a centralized federal one into one in which the states via the governors and the head of the municipalities, primarily in the big cities such as Rio and Sao Paulo and Curitiba, for example, Bahia in, in the north. This means that for them, they will have more they, they will show and exhibit more initiative they will they will have more political power and and this means that we're going to see one of the implications of the covid-19 and the brazilian political system is an impact of decentralization 
of the political system. Is that a correct assessment? Yes, absolutely. I think we will have a completely different Brazil speaking uh, politically in the end of the pandemic. And I mean, the governors and uh, those uh, head of municipalities, they are all saying that they want more power, that they want to deal with international affairs, for example, in a more assertive way. A point or an issue or a, I would like to discuss is that although they can have this sort of political initiatives, the way the economic side behaves in Brazil, it's also quite centralized. The federal government control most of the budget in the end of the day. It's not like the US, for example. So although those governors, they can have, I know, I don't know, the, the will to do something, they are still quite economic, a lot of economic constraints. So we're also having now following up some congressmen trying to change the law on Congress or trying to use the pandemic as a sort of trampoline to also change how the budget is being distributed in Brazil. So I would say we can have in the end of the pandemic, a more decentralized Brazil, also in the budget uh, side and stuff like this. So it's going to be a new Brazil, definitely. It's going to be quite new on how you make money in Brazil, how you invest in Brazil, how you dealt with Brazil uh, number of issues, for example, environment, investments, oil and gas, all these will change because mayors will be more assertive uh, and state governors will, will be more assertive, more assertive. But of course, like you mentioned, Oren, we are speaking about the more rich and more politically important states like Sao Paulo, like Curitiba, like Rio de Janeiro. We still have some places in Brazil who are quite poor, that are not that developed, and they, they are still really, really in need of financial help from the federal government, for example. I don't think those will have a lot of capacity to do something, but some of them will. And I will suggest for everybody listening to us right now, and that will, I don't know, thinking or planning to invest or to understand Brazil in the future, you will have to take into account that it's a more fragmented political system. And well, some of those places will have their own, I don't know, Ministry of Foreign Affairs and stuff like this, or Secretaries of uh, Foreign Affairs. And maybe it will be an option to navigate through all this bureaucracy regarding Brazil and all this sort of political noise from the federal government that would be easier, for example, to make some investments or some talks from these mayors. I would say, for example, in Sao Paulo with Doria, the governor, João Doria in Sao Paulo, he already create, he's creating secretaries or small investment places around the world, in China, in the US, in Europe. So, but what he's saying is, well, I have my own diplomats. I have my own representatives. Don't go to the federal government, talk directly to those guys from the state of Sao Paulo representatives in China. So this is really, really interesting. And I mean, Sao Paulo is right now Brazil powerhouse. It's basically most of our GDP is from Sao Paulo. So it would be sort of rational for someone trying to understand Brazil, to invest in Brazil, to go directly to those places. So yes, it's interesting. And uh, from the academia side, I would say we are now running to create all this theoretical discussions to try to understand this and but at the same time it's been really really interesting because for example here the governor and the mayor of the city of Rio de Janeiro has been looking for example my university to help to create those secretaries around the world so I think it will be quite exciting to check how those things will operate in, in some months or in, in a year of course especially because well 
right now everything is more or less stopped or not working because we're in the middle of the pandemic. I think that's a good point to kind of conclude with because it's the light in the end of the tunnel, so to speak, the good that can come out of this, which is a system being a political or governance system in which those kind of islands, those municipal and, and state islands will be able to initiate economic, environmental, etc., social policies more freely and also take the initiative on them. And that would be something very positive for Brazil, as you just mentioned. So I think that's a nice kind of a conclusion to, to our discussion right now. Yeah, well, great. I think the country is changing. It's, it's a pity that this is happening because of this gigantic crisis regarding the coronavirus, but economic, economically and politically. But yes, we'll have a different Brazil, and I think it will be easier to deal with a lot of our issues and also to cover our hopes. So if you think about environmental questions, economic questions, and everything will be different to deal with Brazil in the future. So hopefully next time we talk will be a more, I don't know, hopefully uh, a better way, a better moment, but it's changing. It's changing quite fast. And I think to everybody trying to understand what's happening right now, we have to take into account these new political actors entering the scenery. Fernando, thank you so much for joining us on this on this podcast. And this is very insightful also on the current situation in Brazil. We hope for the best. We wish that everybody will stay safe and healthy. And thank you so much for joining us, Fernando. Much appreciated. Yeah, it was my pleasure, Oren. Thank you for listening. Hopefully everybody also keeps safe and, well, things will get better, hopefully, too.